Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real-life rescues on the fire ground to you firsthand from those involved. I'm your host today, Grant Schwalbe, and today with me I've got Steven. He's a uh, firefighter in an urban uh, Indiana fire department that we're going to remain anonymous. Uh, but welcome, Steven. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your department so the listeners kind of have an understanding of, of where you're working at. Okay. Um, I got hired in 1988, so I've been around a couple minutes. Um, I work in a uh, West Central Indiana paid department. Uh, we've got about 150 guys on the job. We, uh, today we run with six engines, two trucks, a battalion chief, three ALS ambulances, and then support staff. Um, a first alarm assignment in, in our world will get you uh, three engines in a truck and then upon comp and battalion chief, a support unit, an ambulance. And then uh, upon confirmation, you get a fourth engine as a RIT company. Cool. Who does, um, who does searches for you guys? Is it everybody or is it usually the trucks that do it or how's that work? Well, since the um, since the placement of, of pumps and hose on ladder companies in the early to mid '90s, it's kind of like everybody searches. Uh, traditionally, it used to be a, a truck company function, and you know, of course, with reduced manpower and everything, uh, of course, the the First arriving engine always searches from the point of entry to the location of the fire. Uh, our SOGs state that uh, the, the trucks carry four. They should split the crew and two men off the truck search and two men off the van. Gotcha. And then what do searches look like I'm for sorry, you guys? Two, two, two men van. Gotcha. I'm sorry. Uh, so – who so when you guys are split and how what's that search look like are you guys doing oriented search split search ves a combination of all of the above or what's that like for you guys a, a, a combination uh with a lot of searching off the hose line um coming coming in behind that first arriving attack team and and coming off coming off it and, and doing a search uh, ves were applicable so and then who dictates what crews are going to do on the fire ground is it sog driven or is it instant command driven it it's fairly uh it's a combination of both Ma mainly sog driven and of course the the incident commander has always got that uh, leeway and authority that if he decides that something else is needs to be done which which is a frequent occurrence you know um, then then he can make those assignments without you know, upsetting the apple cart too much. Yeah, absolutely. And then you said four man on the truck and then you're three man on the engine or, or does it flex? So you can be three Correct. on anything. Correct. Okay. Well, no, we, we carry four on our ladders. Um, we, we, we're trying, we're trying to get to the, to the 17 10 and we just can't get there. You know I mean? We've had, we've had some time periods of it through a safer grant where we had a couple four man engines uh, and, and we just, we, we just can't achieve it. All right. So right now it's a three man engine company. 
And then what's your delay like uh, between first and second do and third do typically for you guys? Well, well, that can vary also. Um, back in the 30s, there was a gangster that would never rob a bank in my city because of the railroad tracks. And, and a first arriving company could, um, they could be holding, holding their own for quite a while because of railroad traffic. But on average, we can get the whole first alarm assignment there within that eight minute period. All right. So we got a good understanding of where you're from, how things are done. Take us back to uh, the, the call we're going to talk about today. That's January 19th, 2013. Okay, thank you. Um, the reason why I'm sharing this, I guess, Grant, is, is just that, you know, I've been listening to you guys, and it's that, that passing on of knowledge and everything. And, and one of my reasons why I, you know, don't want to put my full name on it and everything is that it, doesn't matter you know in the big scope of things what matters is that even though this incident was six years ago um there's some relevant relevancy to it i, I believe um as saturday evening about dinner time alarms kicked off um confirmed entrapment it's three blocks away from my firehouse two blocks north one block east um we had a uh is on the is on the chauffeur's side of the the road and um, when we pulled up, I, I didn't see anything. And my driver said, uh, I got a little, I got a little bit over here, you know, a little bit of smoke. And when I got out, there were three guys on the, on the sidewalk. And I said, are you sure somebody's in there? And this gentleman says, yes, my mom. And he's mid forties ish. Um, I said, well, where's she at? Well, he points to the house and she's either in that room or this room. So that really consolidated my search. When I opened up the the door and it was kind of recessed it, with a carport and an addition in the front of it, uh, when I opened up the the, the the door, there was there was a, a good amount of smoke. The lines being stretched up. Um, when I went in, I went in before the hand line because you know this guy's telling me that his mom is in room A or room B, and. Uh, I crawled about three feet and I couldn't even see my hand light on my chest. I was like, did I even turn on my flashlight? There was so much smoke. I mean, it was just zero visibility. And I crawled down the, the Delta side. I looked at my light. Yeah, it's on. And I, I was taking the path of least resistance is what I call it. Um, I crawled down the D side until I hit a, a wall and I had to turn around and there was just a ton of, two liter bottles of pop in this corner and everything. And I was hoping that that was going to be the furniture way. Well, as I came in the door, my left arm would have been, my right arm would have been on the D wall area. And I was hoping to sweep off, you know, and, and work the middle of the room. Well, until the line got in there, um, I couldn't really feel what was going on because she had a, a lift chair, you know, a, a recliner, one of those electric ones that was kind of offset and taking up space. And then she also had her mobility chair and it was really throwing my sense of feel off. I made it around there. And about that time the line came in, which is when I was able to see some tracers in the ceiling going back to the seaside of the structure. Um, you know, my job is to apply water. And I know that if I, 
put the fire out, everything else gets better. Um, I started applying water and, and making a push, and my back stepper was simultaneously moving hose and kind of searching off the line. Um, as I entered the kitchen area, you know, I, I we we had a good we had a good room and content fire in the kitchen. As I was applying water with one hand and reaching with the other, uh, when I when I touched her on the floor, she let out a moan. Um, I dropped the nozzle and um, started. I, I, I got on got on her backside and kind of barrel rolled her over and got my my grip up underneath her arms. She was a big lady, you know, about three hundred pounds, um, and I attempted to start moving her out um, the seaside. And uh, by then, my back stepper had taken the nozzle. We knocked down the bulk of the the fire. And so much of this happened simultaneously, you know. I mean, it, it's kind of like draws us out, and it, it was just a matter of seconds. So we had uh, um, the line going. I'm trying to extricate her out the back, and there were a bunch of like uh, one gallon cans of fruit and stuff that we, I knocked over and it was like trying to pull her off of a um, um, conveyor belt. And, and I was, you know, I'd stand up, I'd fall down, I'd stand up, I'd fall down. The seaside door was kind of open at this time. Um, finally, a couple guys from the truck on my back stepper, I was at her head and had, a, had my arms. I, I reached in my pocket, got some webbing and did the simple girth hitch underneath her armpits um and and that was a really long 15 feet or so you know because we were just like i said we, we were moving on a conveyor belt we just couldn't get any traction underneath us getting out uh, when we finally did get get her out she uh the ambulance had had uh, the cot waiting on us she went right from the house onto the to the stretcher um, there was a young medic that was working her and, uh, he, he regretted the fact that he wasn't prepared to, to have innovation immediately when she caught fresh air. Uh, she had other health issues. I'm sad to say that, you know, we got her out alive. She lived for about 30 minutes and then the family decided that, you know, enough was enough and she wasn't going to make it, but. Um, the whole thing from the time of dispatch until the time we got her out, it only lasted approximately eight to 10 minutes. We were hand stamping cards back then, and there's a little bit of leeway. Um, rest assured, though, I mean, there wasn't nobody slowed down a second in any of this um, as far as moving through the living room and, and getting water and search or any, any part of the operation. There wasn't any hesitancy. Everybody, everybody did what they had to do, and we all did it in a timely fashion. Very nice. Uh, Steve, I got a couple of questions for you. You said um, light to no smoke initially, but when then you got inside, you had uh, nearly zero vis. Uh, once you applied water, did that change conditions at all, uh, heat-wise, visibility-wise, anything like that for you? Well, you know, I don't know what was going on behind me. And, and to be honest, I mean, I was just pushing forward. You know, I saw the tracers in the ceiling. Um, I, you know, I got that nozzle to, to the, that was the living room that we were in. 
and I got that nozzle to that entry point. I caught hydraulics. I can I can take that stream down that wall and I can find that that opening, that window, that doorway, and, and push into that. Um, uh, McCormack calls it water mapping. I call it hydraulic reconnaissance. You know, but um, yeah, once I once I saw those tracers and I flowed some water into that, I knew I knew that that I was at the seat of the fire, or I had you know I was close, and, and I just you know crawled. I didn't crawl half a dozen steps and, and, you know, there, there it was. And I hit it as I, and I can't remember, forgive me. I can't remember, but I know that before we were out of the kitchen in the hallway, uh, one, one of the guys on the truck broke that, that Delta side kitchen window and, and just, it opened up immediately. Then, you know, I mean, we could see what we were doing. Uh, and, and it went from zero vis to just wide open, just clear as a bell, literally, you know, minus, you know, the, 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 the linger at the, at the sea, at the shoulder, shoulder height, you know, I'm six, three. So, you know, you, you had a foot or so beneath the ceiling to, to get under it and we were okay. Yeah. There's a couple great points there, uh, that I just want to revisit and come back, um, and you're talking about listening to the sound of your hose to tell you what's on the other side ahead of you, right? Uh, with, with your water recon. Yeah. That's right. I, yeah, that's, I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. I, I teach, I, I work my guys, my crew with that. Um, you know, in today's fire ground, it, it is a sound, it's a good sound tactic. You may not be able to see the base of the fire, but if you're applying water into that, into that space, you know, you're going to cool that atmosphere and you can push. And, you know, as Aaron Field says, you know, we own that, that nozzle to 10 feet, that's ours. And, and if you can move two feet, you've advanced that, that, that possession is, is my, my philosophy. Yeah. Awesome. And the other point that you made that I want to make sure we don't miss is uh, once the window opened up, you had some lift. And I know sometimes the NIST and UL studies, awesome studies but they've gotten people so freaked out to open up any windows uh, but that really makes everything better um, and to, to just highlight the point once we get water on the fire we can open up and feel uh, pretty comfortable uh, somebody's taking care of the fire we can open up and, and get some lift uh, and find those victims uh, couple especially when you know when, I'm sorry especially when you know when I got on the radio I notified command I've got a victim I'm coming out you know, I mean, in my opinion, you got to do what you got to do. That's a human life, you know, and, and if you lose a building, but you save a person, then okay. You know, I mean, do what you got to do. All bets are off, my opinion. So talk a little bit about the victim, about the size and about how she was oriented when you ran across her. Um, she was about, she was every bit of 300 pounds. Uh, she was laying face down in the kitchen, uh, head, head towards the Delta side, which kind of made it easy for me because I was able to roll her up and get her up underneath my arms. And then my back, when I did that, my back was towards the Charlie side of the structure. And then and, you and recognize that's, that's when all the work started. And then uh, was she slippery at all? Any burns or anything? Or was she pretty easy to hold on to, relatively speaking, with a large victim like that? No, no, no. Um, 
her uh, her skin was sloughing, um, you know. And no, there was uh, she. She was like I said. She she was difficult as an understatement, you know. And and I'm 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 not the strongest guy in the world. I'm not the fastest guy in the world. I'm not the most conditioned guy in the world, but. Uh, I can carry my own and in that false sense of security that we all have, that it's going to be easy. Um, I guess that's why I got a hold of you. It's not grant. There's nothing easy about it. At one point at the extrication coming down that hallway, there were four and four grown men. After we fell down a handful of times, we had to pause for just a millisecond, and all you could hear was the hyperventilation from exertion. People deserve that. Yeah, I bet. Uh, I know that was one of my weaknesses early on that I've really tried to overcome. And, you know, we talk about leg drags, arm drags. Have a plan to get them from the position they're found, but we also need to plan if, yeah. they're, if, they're, if they're slippery. And I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of webbing and of rope for girth hitching as my primary objective but there's certainly a time and a place when you can't hold on to them or when you need to get more than one one firefighter on um so that's that's a good point that got brought up well well the problem with it was is that hallway was so narrow you know and trying to bring the guys on the truck of course they're big fellas you know they're truck guys uh, uh, you know but to bring those guys over her it was just it we couldn't do it you know i mean by the time I got out of there, I had pieces of lamp that had broken apart. You know, there was a lot of clutter and stuff down that hallway, and it, it just it wasn't going to happen. Um, you know, yeah, I'm with you with that with, with with the with the webbing. It's not the premier thing to do, but then again, that's why I carry it because it's got other options. You know, I mean, um, the day before it was nothing more than a uh, hose strap today guess what it's being used for victim removal yeah and that's that's what we need to think about as we're loading up our pockets with stuff don't load up your pockets with things that have a singular use but uh, find a couple things that you can use right. in a bunch of different scenarios i know um i'm i originally started my career up in ohio and ohio is big with doing the girth hitch webbing around uh like you had talked about around the chest uh, and I think uh, Steve Robertson on his grab uh, talked about that. Um, you guys are up in that region. Is that something that's taught um, to new people pretty regularly or? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, this, this, this was, hasn't been my, my first save. Um, so, you know, I mean, I've used multiple different tactics, you know, or techniques. It, 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 webbing is, it's popular up here. Yes, I will say that. Um, and, and quite honestly, minus calling for a mega mover, and then you'd have, you know, then, then you're just wasting time. You know, I, and, and my philosophy is, is you know, if, if, I gotta, if I gotta dance on my head to get that person out, I'm gonna dance on my head to get that person out. Cause that's what I'm there for. Absolutely. Um, anything else, Steve, any takeaways after you had this fire? It's been, been some time, but things that you did different with your crews or, or any, anything in respect to that post incident? 
No, like, well, like, like we talked about the other day, you know, the, the big lesson that was that, that we took away from this was the reinforcement of the basics. Um, we just took delivery of a new engine at the first of the year that, you know, and, and I'm that officer that we're going to drill on it. And, and we drilled on it. We had a really weird chick sand connection and the, my back stepper, the only thing he could, he could hang his hat on at the end of the day was his stretch was flawless because we had been, we, we drilled on it. We drew, you know, we just over and over and over again. And, uh, that that's the big that's the big one is, is just it may seem seem menial but it really isn't uh, i listened to to the icon kevin shea on salty dog there last week and you know this guy's been retired for 20 years and you know he still ties knots putting kayaks in the barn just to keep him fresh and and, and keep the rust off and it's just basic things that you know, when, when the basics are your everyday life, when, when those bad occurrences happen, that's what you, that's what you revert back to. And, and you got to have them and they, and you got to be fresh with them. Yeah. And I think the last thing that you said that uh, to me before the show that I really love that, that light smoke doesn't mean you're going to have light work. Uh, a great no. quote. That's, that's good stuff. <laughs> well, it was, I'm, I'm telling you, from from what we showed up to to what occurred was like night and day like night and day and, and that, you know i mean i'm not bragging here by no way shape or form but you know this this wasn't my first fire and it sure wasn't my driver's first fire he he drove in that district for 20 years and he was the kind of guy that could get you water in the middle of mojave desert you know and to to get that i think i got a little bit here to to what occurred in just a matter of minutes. Uh, yeah, just don't take it for granted, you know. And, and as a side note, can I embarrass myself a little bit, Grant? Yeah, sure. Well, we, I, I worked it. I worked it. And I, like I said, I hate to, I hate to say this, but that taking things for granted, uh, I worked a rekindle last, last weekend. And, uh, after the first fire, the guy was offered Red Cross, and um, he didn't he didn't take it. And when we went back inside the second time, I went snooping around, and guess what I found? He was in his bed. You know, and and some people would have said, "Well, it's a rekindle. Don't search." I went and looked, and you know, hey man, you know, you realize this place is on fire. You know, you gotta. You ask yourself that what if, you know, I mean, what if we didn't, what if, you know, what, it doesn't look good if we don't do our job. And like I said, that's an embarrassing statement to say, because I know none of us ever have rekindles and everything, but fortunately, fortunately, I went looking around and found that guy in his bed, room away from where we were yeah, that's another good point too. I hope, uh, you know, it's not something you think about on the rekindle, but I hope uh, somebody listening, uh, they go on a rekindle, they'll come back to, to you mentioning that and maybe we'll get a search done. Well, Steve, I appreciate you sharing the story. For sure, yeah. If you make a grab or assist, 
alive or deceased, please go to www.firefighterrescuesurvey.com. Take that short survey. This information is for us, by us, and updated real time. If you want to share your story of your grab on the podcast, reach out to me, Grant Schwalbe, Justin McWilliams, or Nick Ledeen. Until next time, thanks for listening.